Hey Sharp Scratch listeners, we need your help. Are you always the designated driver to placement and no one pays you back petrol money? Or does your clinical partner always present patients that you took the history from? Are you wondering if you could date someone in your clinical group or even the F1? Send us your dilemmas, either anonymously as a message or as a voice note, and we can answer them on the show. My details are in the episode description. Thanks. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 42, Too Girly to Be a Doctor. This podcast is brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor but that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at the University of Manchester and I'm excited to be joined today by my good friends Laura and Oki. Laura, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Laura and I'm a final year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Super excited to have you back with us, Laura. I'm so excited to be back. Oki, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Hi, I'm Oki and I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Dundee. And as you can see, it's very sunny, so... (laughs) Wow, we've caught one of the sunny days of Dundee. Exactly. (laughs) I'm really glad to have you both recording with us again. And I'm also really excited to introduce our expert guest today, the lovely Dr. Kate Lovett. Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Kate Lovett. Uh, I'm a consultant psychiatrist in Plymouth and Dean of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kate. So in today's episode, I want to have a conversation about professionalism. And I know this is something that we like to cover a lot on Sharp Scratch, as I guess it's a huge part of the hidden curriculum and the culture of medical school. In particular today, I'm really keen to talk a bit about whether we perceive professionalism as masculine. Laura, what do you think? Initial thoughts? I think that there is a strong history across lots of careers, not just medicine, of masculinity being associated with professionalism and that's something that you can see on a macro level in terms of how professions are valued so if you take for example tech or computer sciences that was initially so much run by women if you've seen hidden figures then that'll give you the film then that'll give you a bit of that sort of backstory of what was you sort of going on behind the scenes in terms of like coding and things like that whereas as the profession overhauled and became more weighted towards sort of more roles held by men its status went up in the sort of the macro sense and you can kind of see that happening with medicine in reverse now hopefully that's also slightly an effect of paternalism on its way down that there's perhaps less of a doctor inflicted superiority you know in society but i do think that there is a sort of you can kind of see it that historically there's quite a strong trend of this this going on. I think you're completely right and I almost feel like our image or perception of the word professional is very much like a man in a suit with dark colours and I actually Google imaged the word professionalism the other day and it just came up with loads of men in suits. Well that's going to be soul destroying isn't it? (laughs) Oki what are your thoughts what do you think of initially when you think of the word professional? Um, I just wanted to like firstly go off like something that Laura said um, in terms of like um, men and professionalism so something that's always made me laugh is 
cooking and being a chef. So like, although if you, if you, if you ask people to like name a, like a famous chef, you just think of Gordon Ramsay and like all these so many men, all these different men, but then cooking is traditionally a women's role, but when a man's doing it, it suddenly becomes a career and like this great profession. But if a woman's doing it, it's not quite the same thing. When I think of the word professional, I don't know. It, it kind of, it's a word that kind of makes me uncomfortable because because <laughs> <laughs> I I I've met a lot of people who I would say are very very unprofessional, but because they say everything in an RP accent, everyone just takes them seriously and they wear in a suit. Everyone's like, oh yeah, wow, like so they're, they're so amazing, so professional. But it's like, no, you're just being an, not so clever right now. <laughs> And Kate, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm so um, delighted to meet you guys and be having this conversation because, do you know, I've never actually thought about it. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of remembering back to uh, my own medical student um, uh, days. I'm not sure that we ever discussed professionalism. I think it was That's something really that was um, that, that, that that was you know kind of taken as 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 read but i don't think we had explicit discussions about it uh there was a whole lot of hidden stuff absolutely uh about mm. what being a good doctor um meant but i can't remember ever having an explicit um discussion so it's really good to be here today yeah that's exactly what we aim to do on sharp scratch sort of have those discussions that are about the sort of hidden curriculum and the reason that I came up with this episode idea was because last year on one of my clinical placements in my feedback with my consultant when discussing things that I could improve or do better at they mentioned that I was too girly this really got me thinking because I couldn't imagine that either of the boys in my group had been told they were being too boyish I didn't no. think it was very well phrased as feedback <laughs> and it was just verbal. They didn't write it down in the feedback form. So maybe perhaps they realised that it wasn't the best choice of words. Um, Kate, in your experience, have you ever had any feedback um, of this sort or heard of anyone else have a feedback that sort of fits in with this framework of a masculine idea of professionalism? Well, I'm just, first of all, really um, sad that you had that feedback. That's just not acceptable. That's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would be um, very, very angry if I'd had that sort of uh, feedback. Um, and I think, you know, it's absolutely fantastic that you've taken that, you know, really disturbing um, uh, a, a example and turned it around into something very positive and holding a, 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 a podcast uh, today um, and I, I suspect that the person you know uh, who, who gave that feedback would probably be very uh, embarrassed on on reflection yes of course nobody's going to say you know I'm really sorry I think you're too manly to be uh, a doctor or to this that or the, <laughs> the next thing it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous um, uh, and, and clearly very sexist uh, and it's just sad that 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 sort of nonsense is still being uh, peddled in 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 mm. 2020. I, I think, you know, yes, of course, uh, you you know, I'm aware of 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 examples over time. They it has felt like they've got 
fewer and fewer and I have traveled hopefully that we're kind of you know getting there but clearly not there's a lot of work to be done if uh, mm. if, if, if you're being told uh, that you're too girly and you know goodness no you know what is that 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 that's terrible feedback anyway because what do you change about yeah, that yeah what does that even mean what is too girly what's the benchmark I, th- I think I was just in shock to ask for clarification and then when I went back into the form it wasn't written down so I imagine that they realized there and then that what they said probably wasn't the best choice of words mm. yes yes but and I, I think if anybody is getting that sort of you know really very clearly sexist stuff um you know that kind of needs dealing with within the university their own policies mm. and, and 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 so on and you know that comment you know is not professional um it's it's discriminatory mm. and um you know, feedback should always be um, specific. So, you know, uh, it, it, it would be uh, helpful to, to, to drill down and, and certainly, you know, it's advice for all of us giving feedback that, um, uh, A, it, 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 you know, we have to, to really think about what, what lens we are perceiving things through uh, and think very carefully about uh, uh, values of respect uh, and the value of respect very much uh, uh, is about valuing equality and diversity. Uh, uh, so we need to be very, very vigilant about how we are perceiving uh, the, the world. Um, but we also need to be sure that we're giving feedback that's helpful and constructive and you know, defines whatever the issue is uh, and uh, you know, is supportive to people about how they can improve. Um, you know it, that that just sounds like it, it, you know it, it, it was really really uh, unhelpful and um, uh, possibly illegal as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but we're just going to take a quick break to hear about an offer available to Sharp Scratch listeners. As a junior doctor, you want the latest clinical information at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. That's why, funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales, all NHS staff in England, Scotland and Wales have free access to BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice provides the latest evidence-based information structured around the patient consultation to help you treat patients with confidence. It includes differential diagnosis and treatment algorithms, videos of common clinical procedures, important update alerts for evidence changes, over 500 medical calculators, links to local guidelines and nearly 500 patient leaflets. Create your free account today by visiting bmj.com forward slash UK access. Okay, back to the show. So when I was planning the episode, I was reflecting a bit on why I might have got that comment. And obviously it was on placement, so I was wearing clinical dress that was appropriate, like hair tied back, things like that. I, the only things that I can think of is that I'm sure, I, if, like when I tie my hair back, I have a pack of scrunchies that I try to make sure the colour of the scrunchie matches the outfit that I'm wearing, just little things like nice, that. you should do. Yeah, nice. so if I'm wearing a pink cardigan, I'll have a pink scrunchie, but nothing that breaks any of the clinical dress rules or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Um, but so I guess I'm there. not typically in sort of a dark colour or like I've got sort of 
baby pink suit trousers or like burgundy ones and things like that mm-hmm. and the other thing I can think of is that in one of my teaching sessions with said consultant one of the boys in my group had asked if anyone had a plaster which I did but unfortunately for him my plasters had unicorns on them they were like the ones I found at the supermarket and he turned them down but I wonder whether that was something else that the consultant had said. <laughs> who was being unprofessional there <laughs> with unicorn plasters the one who couldn't wear a unicorn plaster or the one who offered a unicorn plaster yeah. I don't know <laughs> but I guess I definitely am quite stereotypically yeah. girly but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing I'm I am a girl and I'm not ashamed of it um <laughs> and also with that particular comment what I think is quite interesting is that that consultant was actually female and everyone I tell this story to assumes that it's a male consultant on I, hearing the story. I assumed it was a man as yeah. well yeah. Yeah. oh my god really yeah. interesting I think that to add really that in afterwards yeah um But like I said before, I guess it was just a poor choice of words. But what I do think is very interesting is the language that we use in society around women in general. And I think that definitely applies to women in their professional lives. Lara and Oki, can either of you guys think of things that you that we perhaps count as unprofessional that are more typically feminine? I guess the the thing like at my uni the thing like a lot of girls I know worry about is they just refuse to wear skirts or dresses to their oskies. They just wear trousers in case someone has some sort of opinion like i had one of um, my friends he got in his oski feedback last year that his shirt was too flamboyant um that that was actually written down so i i think a lot of people do things and say things to like protect themselves against being seen as unprofessional even though what they're doing is fine like they would probably wear that on a normal day-to-day basis on the wards but at moments where people feel like it counts i guess you just sort of try and fit in and be a bit more plain if you can i still remember from like for my medicine interviews and stuff i made sure i wore a dark blue suit and my tie had no personality to it at all <laughs> But as my little little up yours to society, I wore colourful socks. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's like nobody knows I'm wearing colourful socks. But I think what's helpful for me in thinking about this is the difference between the professionalism that Kate explained, this professionalism that we as like we as doctors espouse so that we can take care of patients better. Exactly. The difference between that kind of professionalism and the professionalism like the other meaning, which is a group of customs that you learn that help you to be taken seriously by other people. Yeah. And I think that perhaps there's a lot of qualities that are regarded as feminine, but no, by no means exclusive to women. Exactly, yeah. Such as nurturing or um, diplomacy within teams, these kind of qualities that might be regarded as more feminine than masculine. Uh, you know, we can, there's, we can talk for ages about how these things are completely made up and that, they're not really exclusive to men or to women. But if we're going to talk about sort of feminine qualities, I think a lot of the things that might uh, make you be taken less seriously with your colleagues are also the same things that would really benefit your patients. So caring about your patient's life outside of their hospital bed, for example, might be seen as this sort of like nurturing, wishy-washy... Being quite kind soft. Of vibe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, softness, right? Um Whereas, in fact, that massively benefits patients and their care. And 
is really important to the kind of professionalism that Kate was talking about, the kind of stuff that, you know, it's really important to share decision-making and so on, the kind of direction that our profession is, our profession is moving into. You can see that when those qualities are directed towards patients, it's massively beneficial. But then between colleagues, those kind of qualities might also mean that you get taken less seriously by the colleagues who much more value typically masculine qualities of, prof of the customs that help you get taken seriously. The dark clothing, the, <laughs> the um, assertiveness, the self-sureness. Do you know what I mean? Completely. I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, really. Um, Kate, I noticed you sort of nodding along as Lara was speaking. What are your reflections on that? Yeah, well, I, I was remembering um, back to being a medical student and role models and role models are so important aren't they and and I suppose I've also been reflecting on kind of tribalism in medicine and in my specialty you know you get short shrift if you're not interested in somebody's <laughs> psychological uh, makeup and their social situation you know that is absolutely fundamental uh, to yeah. what we what, what we do and I suppose I'm, I'm sort of feeling a little bit, bit sad because it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that, you know, patients exist within uh, social context uh, and psychological, uh, with their own psychological uh, makeup. And that absolutely informs um, how they react to the situations that they're in with, with illness for which they're presenting uh, to, to, to doctors, but also how they recover from that as well. And you cannot, in my view, be a good doctor uh, if you um, if you don't take that into account. Um, in, in my day, I remember people referring to, uh, you, you know, in, in front of patients to issues being supratentorial. Um, I haven't heard that, thankfully, for a very long time, uh, you know, but, but that was 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 just appalling. You know, Me and Oki, um, like, what does super tentorial yeah. mean? Yeah, you know, we, we, we've all done I our anatomy. Uh, <laughs> and actually, the most interesting bit, in, in my view, is, 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 is above the, the tentorial. But anyway, there we go. Um, uh, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be a professional doctor without uh, appreciating people's wider context. It, 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 it's impossible. Uh, and yet, why have we got pockets? And I think it is pockets. I think it's it's, it's probably very so small pockets these days uh, of, of people that don't value that. I suspect it's because it's too complicated, mm. it's too overwhelming, uh, and and people's way of coping with stress is to try and um, make the whole uh, sort of context uh, simpler. That 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 that's how I, I I try to look at it compassionately rather than thinking how how how. Oh, how see, important. I'm worse. I I just think people are just trying to be too macho. Like ooh yeah, I'm I am man. I don't understand feelings. That, that that's what is going through my head when people are like that. I'm like it's okay to care a little bit. You know? I was thinking a lot about masculine traits recently for something unrelated to this podcast and thinking about if you took the toxic out of masculinity, what kind of qualities would remain that we might still say could socially be ascribed to masculinity? And after thinking for a while, I thought, well, there's things like, okay, you could perhaps say leadership. That's a neutral quality in itself. Um, you could say duty. You could say protecting others. You could say providing for others. And if you add a little bit of emotional intelligence into those qualities, 
then it's really not so different from nurturing. And it's really not so different from, you know, the the feminine the feminine qualities you can't see doing uh, me doing air quotes on a podcast but I am (laughs) (laughs) um and I think I mean with there's so much of the explicit curriculum right now that is to do with professionalism you know the sort of the GMC good doctor kind of lists of what is required in caring for patients in working in teams but yet there still remains people who hang on to the customs that they've learnt to succeed in their jobs that are kind of toxic. It's interesting that you um, mentioned leadership a bit there um, because I'm currently reading a book called Women and Leadership which is by Julia Gillard and Ngozi Okonjo-Iwela and it basically goes through a series of eight hypotheses about women in power and what we as society think about them or how we sort of label them and there are chapters such as Who's Minding the Kids or It's All About the Hair which talks about how we sort of criticise the appearances of women in the media. So I thought Mm. if we start with the Who's Minding the Kids... Mm. Kate, in your experience, have you ever noticed that this sort of expectation for women to have a family and how this has affected them professionally? Because I know a lot of my classmates and stuff have said that a lot of people expect female medical students to be GPs because they're like, oh, it's good for like family lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's something about other people's um, expectations uh, and then our own uh, expectations. So um, I very much remember um, a, a surgeon, again, um, this time not a role model uh, for me, um, commenting uh, on, you know, a, a, a mixed uh, tutor group and saying, well, the thing is, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think he asked us all to put our hand up and, um, you know, say what we wanted to, to do. I think most of the... Um, uh, but but he, he said, you know, I, I think you'll all, you know, all you women, well, you're going to become GPs anyway. Um, I think I said I wanted to become a psychogeriatrician. That was the term used at the time, just out of devilment, I think. Um, I didn't become a, psychi- uh, a psychogeriatrician. I became a, a general adult psychiatrist in the end. Um, but there was this, you know, girls don't do surgery were his, 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 his exact um, words. Um, so I think there's an expectation uh, about um, about what uh, we're all going to end up doing um, that comes from other people. But then there's our own expectations uh, as well. And this sort of idea of um, uh, sort of anticipating, um, you know, putting limits on what you do because you're thinking ahead to the future and thinking, well, you know, I, I may have to take time out because I have children or, or, or whatever it is that, that then kind of limit uh, uh, one's own sort of um, leaning into things. And, and Cheryl Sandberg's written about this, this sort of anticipatory limiting um, uh, uh, ambition. So I think it's it's two. And, and, you know, the leadership stuff is so important isn't it and I think again you know there are other people's expectations but there are our own uh, expectations about what we can achieve and you know all of us have grown up with you know complex influences in in society um, around all sorts of um, aspects of ourselves so it's not just gender uh, but it's other things you know race disability and 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 so on that um, external expectations and you know the 
hidden curriculum in life. You know, we talk about the hidden curriculum at medical school, but there is a hidden curriculum in society, sadly, which influences um, the way that we kind of internalise concepts about our, 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 ourselves. What was that phrase you used, anticipatory limitation of ambition? That's a really interesting concept that I hadn't thought about before. I guess so when we... Yeah, because I often wonder why men or male medical students don't think about their career in terms of whether they might want a family in the future. That's, that's the question that arises to me. Why, why is that a woman's problem among medical students today? Because society's told them that it's a woman's problem. <laughs> Do you want kids yourself, Oki? Yeah. The personal question, getting personal on the podcast, why not? <laughs> yeah, of course. Don't feel yeah, obliged, Of course yeah. I want kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want lots of kids. I want like an entire like army of children. Oh, family. <laughs> Enough kids to have a choir. <laughs> exactly. Like Did a you... little barbershop, yeah. barbershop quartet. And does that come into thinking how you think about your future career? Um, no. Well, I guess it does in, in a kind of way. I, I think for me, in terms of like choosing careers, I'm very much about lifestyle as well i don't want to be doing on calls and all that stuff i i really don't want to um mm. so i'm leaning more towards like you know derm ophthalmology yeah yeah but that and then you're saying it's not like necessarily family specific that's also just you and what you want out of your life yeah outside of work but that's just more important to you anyway yeah. yeah, there's a lot yeah. of really interesting conversations around this. And as Oki hinted to earlier, one of our earlier episodes, I think episode 40, is specialty stereotypes, where we talk a lot about the stereotypes around different um, specialties, but also choosing a specialty and people's personality traits and things like that. Mm. So to any of our listeners who haven't listened to that episode yet, I definitely recommend you go back and have a little listen. Mm. Um, 100%. (laughs) The other thing that I mentioned about was appearances, which is mentioned a lot in that book, which I guess also ties back into what I was hinting at earlier with our sort of image of professionalism being that sort of man in a suit. And I've also read a lot in the past about women and like pretty privilege, which is I think is a really interesting issue and often even like divides feminists. And there are books such as Women Don't Owe You Pretty or Honey Money, which take quite differing stances, but all cover privilege and how this can even sometimes lead to exploitation as a result of women's appearances. I'm by no means an expert on this, but I do think it's really interesting. And it got me wondering whether we think that men also experience being treated differently based on their appearance, especially in the workplace, and to what extent. I would 100% agree. Like, um, as a black man, a lot of people, when they first meet me, I do get a sense that they don't necessarily see me as professional, and then I almost have to prove myself. But the thing that... I low-key hate and despise is the, is the fact that I am quite, air quotes now, well-spoken. So um, I say everything in a received pronunciation accent and everyone takes me slightly more seriously than if I was, if I were a black man with like a proper South London accent. I definitely do get um, treated differently before people hear me speak. When people hear me speak, it's like, oh, southerner english yes (laughs) he must be clever he must be good at something but in the first instance it's very different yeah it's really interesting i think it's so interesting when you think about how much people's appearances um affect sort of the initial judgment that people make Mm -hmm. lara you look like you're about to say something yeah i mean i've had an interesting experience recently uh listeners might not know this but i shaved my hair off at the beginning of lockdown and 
then didn't go to placement for a while. And by the time I went back to placement, like I've been growing it out a bit. Um, by the time I came back to placement, I had multiple experiences, particularly when wearing flannel, my brother's flannel shirts, or when wearing big scrubs, of being mistaken for a man. And now this came up like a lot more if I went in to see a patient with a doctor and the doctor said, would it be all right if my colleague did the blood tests or something like that, something where I didn't get to say my name. Um, but often the patient interactions were so short that I didn't really want to correct anyone. So that was interesting. Quite a, quite a dense few days where I got a lot of, you're doing great, son. Really well done, <laughs> son. <laughs> um, and so what I found interesting is that I got patronised a lot, regardless of whether the patients thought I was male or female. <laughs> and that's not necessarily what I would have expected. I definitely so think I, that men probably experience the same sort of judgment by perception of people's appearances as well. Okay, what were you saying? I don't think so. I think I... Because all my, all my placements this year, my placement partners have been female. And I do kind of feel like I have been treated better by patients by virtue okay. of being... Mm male and the, and them wanting to like talk to me and stuff mm. but on the other side like during my obs and gynae block um a lot of my guy, guy friends weren't allowed in the room by mm. patients mm. but i was never i was never turned away but i think it's because on pla my placement clothing is a bit less dark and dreary than other people so i just so i just appear to be more friendly and more flamboyant <laughs> and they're like yeah sure you could come in but mm. a lot of my guy friends their big complaints was oh yeah um nah i don't want you in there but i think i just try not to be macho at all and just yeah it's like hey girl how you doing <laughs> <laughs> Kate, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, so much of this is, um, it's about being able to bring our authentic selves to to work. And, mm. you know, and it, it, it's a real pity when we're having to be absolutely kind of critically conscious of, you know, how we're perceived and manipulating things like our clothes and our accents and, 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 and so on to... Uh, fit in I was just reflecting in in that conversation for about wondering about how much age plays a part as well um course, as, a, yeah. as an older woman <laughs> um <laughs> I get a lot less of that patronizing stuff now um I think that's part of you know the, the roles that I have and the hat that I that I, I wear and so on but I wonder if age has something to do with it as well mm. I remember mm. um somehow um fondly to an extent the days when people used to say you look far too young to be a doctor um that suddenly <laughs> came to an, <laughs> an end a couple of decades ago but but certainly for the first 10 years and, and actually being a newly appointed consultant i got a lot of oh you know um i, I you know assumption that i was the the junior and if i had a male junior with me there was always the assumption or quite often the assumption that um that the, the man was the uh, the consultant and i was the sort of you mm. know the, the the junior and then i had to learn techniques mm. to very quickly step in and uh, make mm. sure they knew so who the boss was yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another example of how of when 
the customs that determine who is successful and who isn't in the workplace are at play again the kind of professionalism that benefits patients yeah yeah and when you think about it there's also so many sort of terms or ways of describing women that come from a sort of defined expectation of what she wears or looks like in in our language which have sort of no male equivalent like things like yummy mummy or girly swat things like that there's no male equivalent to those in our language but they have such like a they carry weight of expectation of what that person looks like i'm thinking of himbo sorry that's not a very because i i was thinking of like what is like a male equivalent i'm trying to think yeah it doesn't come to mind even if there is one doesn't immediately jump to mind there's that one about middle-aged people in in like mammals isn't it middle-aged um in lycra but middle-aged men in lycra yeah yeah (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) lots of those where i I come from in yorkshire (laughs) well we'll discuss a little bit more about the elements of professionalism in the medical field but that'll be right after this how much do you care about indemnity right now probably not a lot you're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. So there was an article in the New York Times recently after the Twitter storm that was hashtag med bikini titled women doctors ask who gets to decide what's professional. So for any of our listeners who weren't aware of the whole med bikini thing, there was a study whose seven authors comprised of six men and one woman where three male researchers created supposedly neutral or fake social media accounts um, to search and follow um, vascular surgeons in training. And they reviewed the profiles of 235 vascular surgery trainees and flagged up content that they viewed as unprofessional. By their definition, this included photos showing doctors with alcohol or inappropriate or offensive attire including underwear provocative halloween costumes or posting in bikinis um then both men and women began calling out the paper and its authors for sexism i think it's been retracted since but Mm. medical professionals on twitter pointed out that wearing a swimsuit and posting a picture of it bears no relevance on someone's ability to do their job and there were loads of pictures of doctors in bikinis with the hashtag med bikini anyhow i think the article in the new york Times was sort of inspired by this movement and the article asked some really good questions about who gets to draw all of these lines and it comes back to things I know the Sharp Scratch team have drawn on before in older episodes about hairstyles and tattoos. The article said that the comments about professionalism in medicine are often planted in language about making patients feel comfortable which again is stuff that we've touched on today with um, what Laura and Kate you were both saying. Um, yet research shows that patients feel more at ease when they're treated by doctors who look like them. 
So what are mm. our thoughts on all of this, on Med Bikini? Mm. And I remember seeing the hashtag Med Bikini going round and being surprised at how many people wanted to participate. Because like, I, I think it was really great that particularly several women of great of like prominence in the medical field did that and I think that would have been really helpful to others who looked to them as role models to see that that shaming people for wearing swimsuits isn't acceptable and that powerful women don't stand for it and women at the beginning of their career shouldn't stand for it either you know women in training so I think that was really great um but at the same time I thought it was interesting that the aspect of professionalism that was picked out most from that paper was the part that related to appearances rather than the part that related to speaking out on political issues which yes given that this study happened in the US, the kind of political issues included anti-racism, anti-fascism, climate change activism. And I thought it was interesting that the majority of the Twitter conversation was about the aspect of professionalism that related to appearance, which seems to be a lot easier to talk about than the professionalism associated with fighting for justice outside of medicine. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, so I thought that, that was my... That was my sort of. I didn't. I didn't participate in it on Twitter, but I. I watched it happen and and saw other people saying what I'm saying now in much better words. So I can't really say. You know, this is what my, what I'm saying now is borrowed from other people on Twitter um, who kind of put words to this kind of discomfort that I was feeling. That was really interesting. Very valid point as well. Mm. That that sort of um, resonates with the stuff that we've seen very recently with the U.S. presidential. Uh, elections and um, an article I picked up in the Telegraph at the weekend about Kamala uh, Harris, uh, all about you know why the world needs a beauty uh, in power at the moment, and you know all about her lip gloss and stuff, and oh, wow. and uh, you know that exercised me on social me- media just last weekend, <laughs> saying actually yeah, you know yeah. uh, really interested to, to 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 listen to what she's got to say. This you know why are we you know, still um, uh, stereotyping our, 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 you know, some of our politicians, you know, the women, i.e., you know, and it is about appearance. When I, when I became dean at the Royal College of Psychiatrists, I was elected, and uh, the the two most common uh, questions that I had was one, um, you know, how is your husband coping? Um, I knew no. for a fact that nobody was asking my other uh, male honorary officers at the college how their wives were coping. Um, you know, several of them had wives in very high profile um, sort of senior positions and they weren't going going up to them saying, you know, how, how, how are they coping? So I thought that was quite interesting. But the other, the other thing when, you know, and people were genuinely excited, you know, um, to, to see me elected, but they were sort of saying, well, what, what, what does a dean wear? What, what does a dean wear? And it, you know, it's all about sort of appearance and clothes, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, so I think this, this, this preoccupation with, with, with appearance is deeply ingrained in our, our, our society mm. and 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 yeah. differentially um, weighted. Um, yeah. I, I really admire Angela Merkel actually because she, um, I think, has a deliberate policy of just wearing the, the you know the same thing so that it's not a distraction. Um, yeah. uh, and I kind of uh, ad- admire that she wears you know uh, deliberately similar sort of uh, design clothes just to to mm. to. to you know, try and move that, but you shouldn't have to. You know, if she wants to, yeah. Yeah, to wear, really you know, a ball that dress or you know, colourful earrings or Doc Martens, you know, because that's how she sort yeah. of expresses herself. And you know, <laughs> yeah. why is she then having to wear effectively, or, or any of us effectively, a uniform to sort of 
you know, get rid of that distraction. Um, That's so upsetting to hear, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me, actually, I heard a chief scientist in an American pharmaceutical company say that she never wears makeup because she wouldn't be taken seriously if she did, mm. which I was so surprised that. Yeah, and, and, and again, I've heard people about, you know, somebody who's naturally blonde dyeing her hair dark so because she perceived that she'd be taken more seriously if she had, you know, darker hair. You know, we shouldn't yeah. be yeah. having to think think exactly. these exactly. things uh, through any of us. Um, yeah, it's um, but how does that? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it it sounds like it's it's quite a preoccupation amongst many medical students. I mean, Oki's mm. point earlier about what people wore to Oski's and and feeling that you had mm. to wear trousers because you'd be taken more seriously. Yeah, whereas like guys would just put on just put on a shirt and put on some trousers and just go off like mm. a lot of my female friends are just constantly preoccupied with what they're going to wear for their oski i actually remember last year um i was helping one of my friend's younger sisters with her interview for medicine with one of my other friends and my female friend was like okay um so this is what you need to do okay because you're because you're black you need to make sure that your hair's not too fresh because otherwise it might be a bit too threatened by your hair and then you need to make sure that you wear this color dress because interviewers like this color dress and I i was thinking okay for my interviews i had like those like similar thoughts but no way to like that hmm. extent and my my other, my friend who was helping my other friend's little sister um she literally made um her send her pictures of her outfit choices so she could approve yes or no thankfully mm. she got in she got all mm. she got all she got three offers out of four oh, so, well thankfully, yeah. so, so thankfully she did quite well but it was yeah. just i was just thinking this is a lot of headache i just always wear the same suit like dark blue suit and a white shirt Mm. all the time mm. yeah this all, all links back to what i mentioned before about how patients like there's research to show that patients feel more comfortable and more at ease when they're treated by doctors who look like them and this is something we spoke a bit about in our specialty mm. stereotypes episode mm. where we should be celebrating sort of diversity of the work workforce and yeah. it probably creates better doctor patient relationships when they we all wear different things and we aren't all look we all look the same yeah. I mean, this is like yet another area where the idea of professionalism is something that gives you standing amongst your colleagues and the idea of professionalism is something that benefits patients differs again because mm. actually when we all conform and look like the same kind of Google images, search results, doctors, that actually that, you know, our patients are so diverse and in fact... Uh, many of them are not like actually probably the majority are not from the same kind of socioeconomic background as the majority of doctors just because of the difference in how easy it is for people to get to university depending on your background and so on and so forth and so Declan I remember Declan spoke so well about this in the episode about um, what to wear in the wards and should a doctor have a tattoo because this study came up as well then that one of the interviewees one of the sort of expert contributors said that brought up this study that showed that patients do better when their doctors are a bit when doctors look like them and isn't it therefore so right that we have a more diverse range of medical students going up to be the doctors for the next generation because heck our patients are yeah 
Exactly. I think that's a really good sort of takeaway message from this episode as well. Kate, do you have any sort of final reflections from our discussions today? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it, 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 I think it's easy to get hung up on a lot of this, this, this stuff. But I think with, you know, the benefit of um, looking back in time over a, a sort of my own career, I just sort of encourage people to bring their authentic selves to uh, to work, to be confident uh, about who they are. Uh, and and to, when thinking about these issues, just really to sort of um, feed them back to a set of your own values, work out what your values are. And when you're agonising over, you know, what to wear, think about how that r- relates to patience so you know um how's what i'm wearing in this situation gonna you know affect patient care that might mean that well it's washed it's maybe (laughs) you know something that's that's able to support infection control you know isn't terribly distracting kind of communicates that you're putting the patient first in 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 all of this but uh but that you're also bringing your authentic self and making yourself comfortable in 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 the situation and uh, i mean the the advice i was given by my fantastic role model surgeon when i was at, at medical school was look after after your patience and your career takes care of itself and I think you know I'm lucky because um, that has been proven to be true uh, in my situation that's not to minimize the struggles and challenges that people have in um, professional careers but looking after you, uh, your patient first and foremost uh, uh, puts you on a very good stead for your career taking care of itself in my experience. that's incredibly valuable advice for our listeners so thank you so much for joining us that's all from us on sharp scratch today if you'd like to hear more from us please subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll be notified of our next episode while you wait for the next one do check us out on social media we're bmj student on twitter facebook and instagram let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag sharp scratch i'd love to hear your ideas about what we should cover later on in the season it's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show but until next time bye from us bye Bye. remember To create your free BMJ best practice account today, visit bmj.com forward slash UK access. Funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales.